I'm encouraged that you're here. Thank you for uh, meeting together with the church. Uh, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we're told in Hebrews. And you all are part of a cloud of witnesses. We together encourage each other. We set an example for one another. We help stir one another on. And so thank you for doing that, for encouraging me and everyone else here. Uh, today we want to talk about the topic of endurance. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we see this epic presentation of God's faithful people throughout time. People with all kinds of different uh, physical circumstances, all kinds of uh, different outcomes maybe in their life. People who had uh, difficulties and weaknesses and struggles, but yet through those struggles believed in God and demonstrated their faith in Him. Uh, it's a monumental chapter uh, full of stories of faith and then suddenly, this epic storyline turns to you. In the New King James Version, it reads, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's a grand story of God's faithful people through time, and now the spotlight is on you. Your turn to live and demonstrate whether you will be one of God's great cloud of faithful witnesses or not. And so Hebrews 12 uh, stirs us up. It, it builds us up and helps prepare us for our part in God's continuing story of faith. One of the specific themes of Hebrews 12 uh, that we want to focus on this afternoon is the importance of endurance. Verse 1 encourages us to run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Endurance is uh, the power to withstand pain or hardship, the strength to keep going despite difficulty. Uh, the image in Hebrews is used of a race, a long-distance race. In fact, for us, it's a race that lasts from here to the end of your life, the rest of your life. For us to succeed at this race, we're going to have to keep going from here to the end of our life. It's a long distance race. Uh, so let's talk about some keys to endurance from this chapter. We'll get to each of those points as we go. Uh, first, run free. For us to endure, it's going to be essential that we know what to leave behind. Uh, so that we can run freely. Again, in the image of a race, you do everything possible to ensure success, right? If you're going to enter a race, you're going to prepare, you're going to train, you're going to watch your diet, you're going to condition your body to be physically ready uh, to, to go through uh, the difficulty of the race that's ahead of you. You're going to work to be race ready. Um, so how do we get race ready for what's ahead of us? Well, we're told here, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. If you're running a race, you don't bring along a lot of extra stuff, do you? You don't carry along weights if you want to do well on a long-distance race. You don't drag along things that are going to get in your way and hold you back. Nobody pulls a wagon you know, full of their favorite snacks and drinks with them in a race. Um, your preparation and provisions are all aligned to help you toward the goal. You're really specific about the race that you're running and what's going to help you do it well. You don't bring along anything that's going to make it harder for you or hold you back. And in the race of faith, it's the same way. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
In my job, I design equipment for firefighters, and I've had the opportunity to learn a lot about their training and preparation. Uh, it's an intense line of work, and lives depend on how well they do at their work, how well they perform their job. Uh, they know very well what it means to lay aside weight. They, each of them has a system of the essential gear that they carry with them, what's in each pocket. It's all packaged and prepared carefully so they'll be able to use it when they need to. Uh, they keep it to a minimum and they have it exactly uh, where they'll be able to use it without it getting in their way. And they think a lot about whether uh, parts of their gear or tools that they carry with them are likely to catch somewhere and prevent them from moving. I talked with one uh, veteran fireman who uh, told me about the closest he ever came to dying in a fire. Uh, he was in a fully involved burning house, um, running low on air, and trying to make his way out. Uh, he was in a bedroom and suddenly found himself uh, anchored, tethered to something that he couldn't really see, couldn't figure out what was going on, but he was unable to move. Um, something in the dark had a hold of his equipment and he couldn't get away from it. Uh, by the time his buddy found him and cut him free, he was, he was nearly out of air. Many firefighter coats have a small spring-loaded clip hangs right on their chest. Uh, they normally attach a flashlight to it or maybe their, uh, their air face piece when they're not using it. And his small spring-loaded clip on his coat had gotten snagged on uh, the burned-out frame of a mattress, the, the systems of springs and wires inside of a mattress that had burned. And his gear had him tethered to a flaming mattress that he couldn't get away from. And uh, he's a man who knows firsthand about the dangers of things that easily ensnare. And his department doesn't have clips on their coats anymore, and neither does anyone else who he trains about this. He, he is aware that it's easy to get uh, hung up, and he works hard to make sure that other people are aware of that and are eliminating those hazards, getting rid of things that would uh, put them in harm's way and, and keep them there. Um, in this race of faith, we need to be constantly aware of the things that are weighing us down, things that are burdening us, making it harder for us to make progress and keep moving or the goal. These can be things like uh, money, uh, maybe wanting to be comfortable, wanting life to be easy and enjoyable. Things like hobbies or career aspirations or relationships. Things that are weights, right? Maybe not necessarily wrong, but things that are hard to drag along if we're trying to run a race. They use up our strength and our energy and our time and prevent us from making the kind of progress that we should be making in our service to God. We also need to be aware of our vulnerabilities when it comes to being tangled in sin. Like that firefighter, uh, be thinking about everything in your life uh, that has the potential to, to keep you uh, anchored where uh, it's not safe for you to be. What hooks are there in your life that make you likely to get trapped? Review your life, your interests, your friends, your priorities. Are you protecting yourself from being tangled in sin or are you leaving yourself vulnerable to being snagged? If you're dragging along weight or snagged on sin, cut it loose and start running free. The next key to endurance uh, called follow the leader. If you look over at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. When it comes to endurance, there are many examples, uh, of course, in Hebrews 11 that we've talked about, this great cloud of witnesses that we can be encouraged by. But there's one ultimate example of endurance that the writer wants us to focus on, and that is Jesus. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. In the great story of God's faithful, there is one supreme example of faith, and that's Jesus. And if we're going to finish the race, this verse tells us we need to keep our eye on the leader and keep following him. Focusing on the finish, the next point comes from what the writer says about Jesus as the epitome of one who endured faithfully. And that is that he remained focused on the goal. Uh, It says he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. As we seek to run with endurance, it's important for us to remain focused on the goal. Jesus sets the example for us here, doesn't it? What enabled Jesus to go through all that he did? This, this passage tells us the joy that was set before him kept him motivated. It kept him focused on uh, his mission. It's what enabled him to endure this hostility from sinners against himself. Uh, what enabled him to endure the cross was the joy set before him. You know, it may be that the thought of heaven, uh, the thought of being with God, doesn't spark enough joy in us to keep us motivated. If that's the problem, if that's your problem, uh, if that's my problem, we need to focus more on God's goodness and the plans that he has for those who love him. And maybe we need to think more about the terrible end of those who don't. But having true and genuine and deep-seated joy in God is something that we need to cultivate and nurture. It's what empowered Jesus to be faithful and to endure. And it's what will empower us too. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9, expands on the importance of joy. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though deceived by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy inexpressible. Does that, uh, is that something that you can relate to? Does that describe the feeling that you have about being with the Lord? Uh, If it doesn't, you need to work on that, cultivate that sense of of great joy that God uh, has given us and the hope we have in him. (coughs) For us to endure, to keep doggedly pressing on when it's really tough, it's going to require us to have a burning desire, a deep motivation, a true and resolute joy in God. Um, It may be that you can improve your endurance by simply improving your focus on the joy that you can have in God, focusing on the finish. Next, we'll talk about the idea of being forewarned and forearmed, a common phrase that we use. Uh, when people plan to compete in a long and difficult race, or they plan an expedition to climb a mountain or something like that, they study and plan and prepare. They want to know what is ahead of them. What's it going to be like? Uh, how can I be ready for this? Uh, they want to be mentally and physically prepared. And in this race, God wants us to be prepared. And so he warned us about some things. 
this phrase forewarned is forearmed means that because we're aware of some danger, right, we can be prepared for it in advance. And what is it that we're warned about here? It says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You've not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin. This hostility from sinners, um, this difficulty that Jesus endured, right? We are supposed to consider Jesus lest we become weary and discouraged when we face things like that, right? Difficulties caused by sin, uh, sin in our lives or the sin of others, those difficulties are to be expected. But the writer here says, don't let that discourage you. God knows there are going to be some hard things ahead of us. Sin is going to have consequences in our lives. It's going to make our lives unpleasant and difficult. But it doesn't have to wear us out. It doesn't have to wear us down. It doesn't have to make us give up. God warns us about these things in advance. So they shouldn't catch us off guard. They shouldn't surprise us. After all, think of just how much difficulty Jesus went through because of sin. And if we intend to follow him, if we are following our leader, we shouldn't be surprised to find ourselves in the same kind of territory that he passed through. It's be forewarned and forearmed. The next point is treasuring God's tough love. When we face difficulty, it's, it's essential that we keep our heads in the right place, that we have the right perspective about it. Now, this passage teaches us that difficulty is the time that we need to remember our Father's love. Uh, let's read verses 5 through 10 now of Hebrews 12. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. <coughs> For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not more, much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. This passage tells us that hardships are part of God's loving plan to help us grow. When we are encountering difficulty, God is not sitting back saying, I'm sorry you have to deal with this, but there's just nothing I can do about it. There is something that he could do about it. Uh, but rather than wipe uh, the evil away just yet, rather than remove all its consequences in your life, God is saying dealing with evil and hardship will be hard for you, but it will be good for you. And as your loving father, I'm willing to have you endure this difficulty because I know it can do amazing things in you. We often look at difficulties with the wrong perspective, don't we? We start wondering where God is, why he's uh, making it so hard. Why does it have to be so hard? Um, why isn't God helping me out of this? Well, this passage teaches us that hardships in life aren't evidence that God doesn't care. Uh, in fact, they're rather evidence that he does. It's the evidence of God's love. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Uh, we need to learn to treasure God's tough love, the ways that he's helping us grow. 
This next point, uh, pain and gain, uh, we need, again, to keep the right perspective on difficulty. And one of the ways to help us do that is to think about what, um, what's happening in us, what God is doing with us through those difficulties. God wants us to focus on the fruit, to realize that when we handle hard things in a right relation to him and his grace, that he is growing something good in us. Uh, look at verses 10 and 11. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It says God is working in our lives for our profit. God is leading us through difficulty for our good. And specifically the good that he wants for us is that we can partake in his holiness and enjoy the fruit of righteousness. So to endure, we need to learn to appreciate the good things that God is doing for us, to see the gain that is coming right, through the pain. This next point, I've titled Handicaps and Hope. Um, I've already said that Hebrews 11 is, is an epic story of faith, and it is, uh, but maybe you've noticed it has a strong theme of flawed and imperfect people. Um, we didn't read the first half of the chapter earlier, but people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were men of faith, but you know, if you know them, uh, they all had their flaws. Moses was a great leader, but he didn't make it into the promised land, did he? You have Rahab, a harlot. Uh, there's Gideon, who was hiding in the wine press uh, to thresh wheat. Uh, Barak, who wouldn't go to battle unless a woman came along uh, so somebody could be courageous. Uh, Samson, who had so little self-control in spite of his strength. Uh, Jephthah, who's more known for making a foolish vow than for keeping it. Uh, Hebrews 11 is an epic story of faith, but it's an epic reminder of human weakness and flaw. But look back at Hebrews 11, 39 through 40. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God is aware of the weakness and imperfection of these characters. And the point is that he's done something about it. These people of faith were imperfect in life, but God takes their faith and brings them to perfection through Jesus. God is going to make them and us perfect. In Hebrews 12, 12 through 14, there is hope for our handicaps. Uh, we read, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. This text recognizes that we have uh, some weaknesses. We have some handicaps. And I used to just kind of read over this text and think it's just kind of tell us to like stand up a little straighter, you know, um, buck up, be tough, um, and just be stronger. Uh, but there's really much more to helping weak arms and feeble knees than just straightening up and being stronger, isn't there? If you've ever had an injury or tried to train your body at something new, you know that you don't just be a little tougher and do it, right? 
you have to keep at it. It's a long and difficult process to gain strength in places where you are weak or injured. I think this tells us that we need to take a long view of our handicaps. Healing things like exhausted arms or weak knees takes time and effort. But the point is that it can be done. But there's something else I noticed here as well. Uh, Not every handicap, it seems, is going to be done away with. There are some handicaps that you have to learn to work with. What are you supposed to do with lame feet in this context? What do you do with lame feet? Well, the goal is they be healed, right? But it's not going to be in an instant. Part of enduring is learning how to live with the handicaps that we have. Lame feet make us vulnerable to injury, right? So we have to make a special point to mine the path. It says make straight paths for your feet. Change how you walk. Change where you walk. Watch where you step, right? You need to make a special provision for this weakness that you have. Over in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, we're all familiar with Paul's appeal to God three times to remove something that was causing him pain and weakness, something that he felt was getting in his way. He called it a thorn in the flesh. We see Christ saw it best for Paul to keep this particular handicap and learn to live with it. Uh, In verses 9 and 10, Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God knows your handicaps. And he's ready to work with you through them. Uh, some he'll strengthen and heal. And some he'll want you to take and work with. And uh, to be more careful about your path. Watch your step. Uh, to watch how you walk. And learn to trust in his strength. Either way, God gives us hope in our handicaps. And that hope can help us uh, with endurance. So there you go. Seven keys for endurance from Hebrews 12 that I know will make a difference in my journey of faith and I know will make a difference in yours as well. Uh, So let's keep encouraging one another. There's a text in Philippians 3 verses 7 through 14 that you probably know well but I think it does a good job (coughs) summarizing the mindset of endurance. Turn over there uh, Philippians 3 7 through 14. We'll read this passage and then we'll wrap up the lesson. Philippians 3 7 through 14. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press 
toward the goal or the prize or the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How is the race of your life going? God himself waits for us at the end, and he wants us to finish strong. So he stands ready to help us along the way. Wherever you are today in your walk of faith, God is prepared to help you take the next step. And the church here wants to help you in that as well. So if we can help you get started on your race by repenting of your sin and being baptized into Jesus, or if we can get you back on track in your race, encouraging you along the way somehow, we want to do that. So let someone know about that.